All right, good morning and welcome once again. Seems like these weeks just keep getting shorter and shorter. Time's going by quickly. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, we're continuing on with uh, our new umbrella, so to speak. And um, with the series, Who Are You Listening To? And uh, we're going to continue on with it today. So this is part two of who are we listening to. Let's just have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to get into your word today, Father. We ask you just to take myself out of the way, Father, let your true message shine through and just open our hearts and minds to receive it, Lord, to etch it on our hearts and let us be able to use it in our lives. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So uh, last week we got into this and uh, we started talking about, about Satan. And it's important that we, we know about Satan. There's many people that don't believe that he's real. They only want to take the good part. We want to believe in heaven, but we don't want to believe in hell. We want to think that that is not an option. But there is an absolute truth. The Word of God tells us this and tells us we have decisions to make. And uh, so last week we looked at, we looked at Satan. And he started listening to something. He started listening to himself. And I want you to take note of that. And that's going to come into play later and even a little bit later on as we go through this series about listening to thyself. He listened to his self. And his self was telling him that he was grander in God. That he could do a better job. That... He deserved to be on the Most High, that he was better. And not only that, he began to speak these things to others, so much so that he got a good portion of the angels to listen to him, and they raged war in heaven. They tried to make what he was hearing and what they were hearing come into a reality. And of course, nothing is bigger than God. And they were defeated. And they were dropped from heaven. Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. And where did he fall? Right here in the earth realm. Right where we occupy. And Adam and Eve... By listening to Satan in the form of the serpent, they were deceived. And they choose not to follow the truth, not to follow what they have been told before, not to follow God, but to hark on these new things they have been told because they sounded so good, they sounded so great. And man fell. And as a result, we entirely turn this world over to Satan. Which brings us to Luke chapter 4. The temptation of Jesus. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness 
being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did not eat nothing, and when they were ended afterward, hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of Man, turn this stone and make it into bread. And Jesus answered unto him, saying, It is written that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him unto the high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, And all the power I will give to thee, and the glory unto them, for it is delivered unto me, and whosoever I will give it. Take note of that. If therefore will shall worship me in thine. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord of God, and him only thou shalt serve. And he brought them to Jerusalem and set him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son, cast thyself from hence. And it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee and keep thee. And in their hands thou shalt bear up, at least thou dash thy foot against thy stone. And Jesus answered and said him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt thy Lord God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed for him for a season. I want to look at a couple of things. First of all, why is it that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, would want to lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted? It is Satan's right to be able to tempt us. That's why he was in the garden. He was here. He occupies this space. And if we talked about, in the past, we talked about Jesus' baptism. Jesus didn't have to be baptized, but what he was doing is he was leading by example. During the course of his ministry and his lifetime here on earth, Jesus went through all of the things that we do as humans, as people. Because he had to overcome the world. He had to do what we cannot. And we are all tempted by Satan. We're tempted by the world. You know, these two things, Satan and the world, go hand in hand. He's in control of it. The world is part of Satan. Satan is part of the world. And we are tempted by it each and every day. Satan had the right to be able to put Jesus through this temptation. Jesus had to endure this temptation because that is what we do. And he also had to show us that it can be one. That by using the word of God, that we can overcome temptation. He was leading by example. But as we talk about this, who are we listening to? We see right here that Satan, he knows who Jesus is. There's no surprise here. He knows who Jesus is. But yet, in his mind, he thinks that he can still win, that he can still overcome, that he still deserves to be on most high, 
And we see that he tempts, and he tempts again. Verse 6 says, And the devil said unto him, All of this power I will give thee, and the glory of so We gave that power to Satan. He has it to give. He has that to give. We gave it to him. And we see, we see the same pattern. He has the same set of tricks. This is the same thing he did with, with Adam and Eve. Oh, no, 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 you have it all wrong. See, you're not going to die. You'll be like gods. He's offering them power. Offering them power. And that's what he's doing here. He's offering Jesus power. But Jesus already has all the power. He already has it all. It's his it's his power. So we see that we have Satan that's following the sound of his own voice. And Jesus leading by example. Forty days without food. To say he was hungry was a understatement. I go four hours without food, and we're already getting into a critical level here. Forty days without food. The, the hunger pains, the weakness. Over time that we are in a time of pain, we're in a time of weakness, when our, our bodies is in discomfort, we want to do whatever it takes to solve that discomfort. To make it go away. People say often, well, you know, I could have did this. I would have did things differently. But yet, here we are. And how many times would we just have, yes, whatever you say, just give me that ham sandwich. You know, how many times will we have given in in a, a moment of weakness? It's easy to say how strong we're going to be when we're not under any kind of pressure. See, Jesus takes it that step further. We get tempted all the time. We get tempted in our prime. We get tempted when we're feeling good. We get tempted when we're happy. Jesus was in a weakened state, and yet he did not wilt. He did not waver. Because he wasn't listening to the wrong person. He wasn't listening to all these falsehoods of what Satan was saying. He was listening to the Word of God. He was repeating the Word of God. He was wielding that sword. That is the Word of God. And it protected him, and it carried him through, and the enemy fled for a season. I think it's interesting how they, they put that in there. Because... It's a constant battle. It's not a one and done. It's not a, a every once in a while. It's a constant battle. And our enemy is always looking to take us at our weakest point. Jesus was weak. He's looking to teach him at his weakest point. He's always looking to take us at our weakest point. When we're not feeling good. When we're, situations are overwhelming us. When our mind is betraying us, we are attacked at our weakest point. 
That's why we have to put on our armor. That's why we have to weaponize ourselves with the Word of God. That's why we have to know who we are listening to. 1 Peter 5 and 8 describes Satan as a roaring lion. The roaring lion that goes around seeing who he can kill, steal, and destroy from. And that's a real contrast because when we talk about God, 1 Kings 19 and 12, which said that God is a still, small voice. It's a big contrast, a big contrast. But you know, it's, it is so, so fitting. If we look at the, the world today, we look at the world today and what we are presented and every time that something is loud and in your face and we see it all the time and it's all we hear and it's what is pushed, who is behind that? Who is that benefiting? Is it for the kingdom of heaven or is it for Satan? Is it of the world? Is it for the light or the dark? You know, there was a time in our country where most of the population were God-fearing people. It was what the country was founded on. Everyone had similar beliefs. And we kept getting further and further away from the Word of God, and division happened, and we've taken and keep making God Smaller and smaller and smaller. And everything that Satan promotes keeps getting larger and larger and larger. We keep hearing that roar. We're hearing that roar so much that it's overpowering the whisper. The thing about a whisper is you have to want to hear it. You have to be listening for it. You have to seek it. We have to move closer to the source, which is God, to be able to hear that whisper. And it's a whisper because it's a secret. It's something special between God and us. It's something special that we don't want to get in the hands of the enemy. That's why it's got to be soft. It's got to be quiet. We have to seek it. We have to want it. We have to protect it. Unlike the roar, it's intimidating. It's to strike fear. You can hear it coming from a long ways away. It's to get your attention. It's to say, hey, look at me. Here I am. You know, the lion roars. A rattlesnake has that intimidating little rattle to let you know that I'm here, to let you know that I'm going to hurt you. God speaks in a whisper. And we look at that, how that applies into the world today. Do we hear about the miracles that God performs? Do we hear about the, the goodness of God? 
If we do, we really have to search for it. It's not something you're going to find in the mainstream media. The good news doesn't sell. Even amongst our churches, we struggle to find places where we are hearing the truth of God. Where that is first and foremost. It is hard to find quality teachings when it comes to God. Because there's so many different things that's clouding the judgment and the teachings of the people that's doing it. Some of it may be unintentional. Some of it just means means a lack of knowledge. Some of it might just be that it's just the situation that it was in. But for many more, it's become because we are world-focused and not God-focused. There's too many things that take precedence above Jesus, above God, above saving souls. We know we worry about numbers. We worry about income. We worry about attendance. We worry about hurting people's feelings. We worry about maintaining neutrality so that everybody will be happy. We're going to have the, the big screens and the big speakers to make sure we're loud enough and putting it out there. But the fact is, all we need to do is listen to that whisper. We need to get close to God so we can hear it. And nothing else matters. Gender issues. I never would have thought in my lifetime that I would see the things today that are normal, according to the world. How much things have changed in my lifetime as we have moved away from God and moving closer to the world. We're either one or the other. We talked about last week that there's no originality anymore. Because there's not. We are either in one, one camp or the other. We are either for God or we are for Satan. There's no walking down the middle. And to say you don't believe is simply a joke. It's a cop-out. Because you're in one camp or the other. And one camp keeps getting smaller. And one camp getting bigger. And there's a really big camp right in the middle. That either thinks... They're moving towards the light or don't want to be a part of it. But in reality, they're all still in the darkness. Because they're listening to the wrong voice. We hear the things about these, these gender issues. And if we were to look at statistics... You know, in uh, the last couple of years, we, we seem to be really, really interested in numbers. And, you know, I used to think numbers were pretty cool, too, about different statistics and things like that, too. It was just we hear about it so much. You know, we've, that's all we've heard over the last two years is how many people's got this and what category this falls in and about deaths and about infection rates and about shots and everything was tied to numbers. But here's, here's some numbers. 
the things that we're starting to hear about the most affect such a small part of the population. Such a small part. In fact, that it has become the normal that every new TV show, every movie, we have to see representation of these alternative lifestyles. Whether it be a same-sex couple, a transgender person. And not only that, if we have something that's been running for multiple seasons, we'll see it multiple times and times again. But you know, in real world actuality, there's simply not enough numbers there for this to be shown over and over again. We're trying to get a response. They're trying to get a response from us. People now are spending millions of dollars to push their political agendas based on the wants of a few people. The governor of Florida has made great strides to prevent such things from happening. Signing a, a new bill into law that limits what can be taught in our public schools, especially without the knowledge of the parents. And Disney decided that that's not a good idea and has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars donating money to people that would be influenced to sway this into a different direction, having sit-down meetings with people trying to prevent such things from happening to the point that shareholders now are going to the, the CEO and saying, hey, this has got to stop. You are hurting our business. That we are no longer what we are supposed to be. We're supposed to be a, a safe haven of entertainment for children. And you're turning in it to a political mission of something, and this is my words here, that goes against God. Who are we listening to? My question is, what do we decide, how do we decide, what do we deem as normal? Why is it that it becomes to a point that something was not accepted, that it all of a sudden becomes accepted? And so much so that it has to be pushed and prodded and announced and beat into us and that everybody needs to conform or there's something wrong with you. That's basically what they're telling us is that if we don't conform, if we don't accept these ideas that are being presented to us, there is something wrong with us. So let's back up. 
Who does that sound like? Who does these kind of tactics? Satan. He says, oh no, what you believe to be true is not true. It is wrong. It is flawed. This is the actual proof. But what is there to show that? There is only one thing that we have in our possession that we can go to that is the absolute truth. And that is the word of God. That is what we need to filter everything through. One life, one filter. The word of God. Because everything else, everything that does not line up with the word of God, that is created by man, which is influenced by Satan. One camp or the other. We either get into the word or we get into Satan. And we can't just pick and choose. You know, the Lord himself says, pick a lane. He says either get on board or not. Don't be, either be hot or be cold. Don't be lukewarm. I don't, I don't deal with that. And so many of us want to walk down that center path, picking and choosing the things we like, the stuff we don't like we push to the side, we don't pick up, we throw it away, we discredit it. That's not the way it works. The Word of God is a package. We need all the parts. You can't go to your car and start ripping out things that you think we don't need because it's not going to run. All the sensors go together. You take out one piece, it throws the whole system out of whack. Same thing with the Word of God. You can't just take a piece out and don't use it anymore. Everything is structural. It's like going in your home and knocking out a load-bearing wall. Something bad is going to happen if you keep doing that. So we keep getting bombarded with that lion roar. The whispers get covered over. And what's, what his tactic is, he wants us to believe this is normal. But who says? Who says this is normal? What is the, the next fad that's going to be? What's the next thing that's going to be trendy that people's going to start doing? You know, once upon a time, if there was a, a situation where you didn't feel that you were what you were born, that they would call that a mental illness. It was something that we would try to treat. It was something that we didn't celebrate. It goes against nature. It goes against God. If we decide one day that we don't need left arms anymore, are we just going to be allowed to cut them off? If that's what becomes trendy, if that's what the celebrities tell us that we need to do, if that's what our political leaders say it's okay, are we going to just go along with it? Because there's actually people that do such things. There's actually conditions, but we don't call that a lifestyle. We call that a 
condition. We call that an illness. Who says it's okay? And what gives them that authority? We talked about a little bit last week about the Catholic Church that puts a lot of emphasis on man, mankind being interference between God and the common folk. You know, like the Pharisees. They adopted that concept. And what happens is it doesn't work. It's one of the largest Christian faiths there is. And we talked about why that might be, that we tend to want to be told what to do. We want to have standards to meet and be able to do it. We're there. But also, it is the highest failure rate. More people turn away and turn away in a permanent basis because it fails them so bad. They don't get that connection with God that we all long for because they're not setting us up to have a connection with God. That's exactly what Satan wants to do. He wants to prevent that connection with God. Because if we have strong faith, if we know how to pray, if we know how to receive, we are going to, we're going to feel God. We're going to experience God. We're going to have blessings. We're going to have prayers answered. And Satan doesn't want that. He wants us to be sour and miserable and he wants us to do exactly what's happening. Blame God. And it's not because God's doing anything wrong. God's perfect. God's got a plan. God's there for us. God loves us. It's us that's following the wrong voice. It's listening to the wrong thing. And we're going over these things again and again because we have to understand these basic concepts that it's not God, it's us. We think it's so easy. We have it up in our minds. It's so easy. We're just going to follow God. We're going to praise Jesus. We're going to go to church. We're going to do all these things. And our life is just going to be perfect. But in reality, we are not doing what we need to do. And we don't realize what is actually happening here. We don't realize there is an enemy that is on the tack. A wolf in sheep's clothing. You know, we see, we see the, the devil on TV or, or hear him from books. And we see, have this image of this. Red, forked-tailed, horned, cloven-foot creature that's big and scary, and we think that is what Satan is. But you know what Satan is? Satan is in the world. He's when is in the TV. He's in your social media. He's in the people that are around you. It's not you're dealing with him personally. You're dealing with everyone that works around him. Works with him. That he works through. We got this idea that 
things are, are different. We see all throughout the Word of God of them casting out demons. These are these fellows, angels that fell with Satan. They're here upon the earth. And we've seen over and over, we've seen the, uh, Jesus cast them out. We've seen the apostles cast them out. We even had other people, not our main characters here, they were casting them out. This was a thing. And we never, never have any text. Nowhere in the Word does it say, okay, well, this don't happen no more. Then it ended. You don't give it a reason. It don't air. We just assume, though, that it did. But if nothing that shows that that's the case. It's the same thing with miracles. We just seem to think that just because Jesus went on back to heaven, that miracles don't exist no more. But that's not what the Word says. In fact, we have proof of just the opposite. The apostles kept doing their thing, kept making stuff happen with the power that Jesus has given us. He says that we will do these things and even greater ones. But wait, he's not here. So that means we still can do it without him being here. And also we have that comforter that was sent to us called the Holy Spirit that resides in us. It makes for a quite nice source of such power. Here's someone that we can interact with, that we can talk to, that can give us a voice. Well, who are we listening to? We hear what we want. And people tell us, yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. And if we were to talk about these kind of things, you know, people would often label us as, as crazy, as different. And because of that, because of we listen to what other people say, we tend to, to not believe it too. We don't want to say it. We don't want to sound crazy. There was a, an atheist that said that Sunday morning is not a good time to go to town because that's when all the crazies are out talking about the churchgoers. Because of what they believe. And what's sad is, is that we have the truth here and many of us don't believe. I once knew a man and he had a very strong belief in heaven. But he had no belief in hell. He said there's no way, no way it could happen. That he couldn't lose anyone, that anyone that he knew he'll be with again because he don't believe that there's a hell, that there's a, a second chance. And see that he was only partially right. There is a second chance because... Right now, from the beginning when man fell, we are all sentenced to hell. 
But God did give us a second chance, and his name is Jesus. That is our second chance. Not some test, not some purgatory, not some way to right our wrongs. It's Jesus. He is our Savior, our Redeemer. He forgives us of our sins. He covers us in His blood. He gives us His power. It's Jesus. That is the voice that we should be seeking. That is the voice that we should be listening to. It is okay to not be part of the crowd. And, you know, we don't have to make a, a spectacle of things. We don't have to make a spectacle of things. You know, it seems like that every time that someone wants to be different and make a difference, it has to be a big thing. We have to have a whole month dedicated to it. We have to have a parade. We have to have banners. We have to have all these, these celebrations. But, you know, when it comes to following God, to be a believer of Jesus... We don't have to make a spectacle. In fact, when we do, when we make a spectacle, I think it's just really showing a lack of faith. Because this takes strong convictions. It takes to be fully persuaded to live a godly life for the fact that we are living a godly life without praise, without attention. Some people like the, the controversy. They're going to be different because they want to be different. They want that. They want that to challenge people. They want to be controversial. And many people put on their mask of faith and they pin their Jesus pin to their shirt because they want to be a spectacle. Oh, look at me. I'm a believer. Look at all the cool things I do. I'm just love, 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 love. And you should love me back and respect me. That is your reward. God's looking for people that have a heart for God. They are doing godly things because they want to. Because that is the Jesus in them that is overflowing to others. You know, we can't be nice. We can't be good. We can't do all these things. We can't be loving without Jesus. It is because all we have is our artificial human love, our emotion of love. But what God has, what Jesus gives us, is an actual love that is not of this world. It's a heavenly love that only God can provide. The only God that can look down upon us as horrible sinners that we are, and we are, and say, I love them. I forgive them. I want to help them. I want to heal them. I want to give them the desires of their heart. I want to do all these things because I am God and I can and I love them. See, we can't do that as humans. Our love is conditional. I want to love, I'm going to love somebody, but only if they love me back. I'm going to do things because it makes me feel good, but people tell me thank you and they, they praise me for what I do. I'm only going to do this because people are watching and are looking. I'm only going to do this because I could write it off on my taxes. I'm only going to do this because it makes me look good in front of my friends. See, we always have exceptions to everything that we do. 
We can't love correctly without Jesus. If we take Jesus we put him inside of us, there is so much love in him, it's going to come out. It's going to transform us. And see, that, that love's going to start spilling out. We're going to start doing things just for the fact that it's the right thing to do. We're going to start doing things because that's what Jesus would do. And that's going to change because we're not going to care about anymore about what people think. We're going to care about how God thinks. What God thinks about it. And the, the praise and all these worldly things aren't going to matter. We're setting up our rewards in heaven. We were thinking this morning, when we all get to heaven, and it talks about all the different things that's going to be there, how great it's going to be, and what it's going to look like, and it's just going to be an amazing time. We get to hang out with Jesus. We take away from what we're doing right now. Jesus is in our midst. It says where two or three are gathered, Jesus is in our midst. But yet we don't, we don't see that. The Holy Spirit resides inside of us. He is part of us. We are part of him. We are a, a unit, but we don't see that. We don't see it. But yet, someone can tell us that gender is not biological, no facts about it, and we jump on board. We can say, do this or do that for the good of humanity with no research, with no facts, no nothing, and we jump on board. We're good at, at listening to the wrong things. And we're so good at listening to our, ourselves. Because it's really easy to, for me to stand up here and to blame the world. That the world puts out all this stuff. And we just take it in. And we're just, we're just picking the wrong door. You know, it's just like, let's make a deal. We got door number one, door number two. One's God's, one's Satan. We're just picking the wrong one every time. But we got to face some hard facts here now that's just a portion of it remember satan was all up there in heaven never knew what it was like in the splendor of sin but yet there was something inside of him that said this is what i need to do he listened to that wrong internal voice i feel like we that we all have that and so many times, and get ready because here's where the condemnation is going to flow. So many times that we're already set on something and we're just waiting for the cheerleading squad to back us up. That's what it is. You know, when these issues get pushed so hard, it's because people have this belief and they want to get it out there, get it, get it set up. And get reassurance that they're doing the right thing. That what they're doing, that what makes them feel good, makes others feel good too. Because they want to be part of that 
crowd, part of that group. And the best way to do it is, is to build the group bigger. That's how cults get started. you got one guy or girl or whatever that has an idea. And usually it's pretty off the wall from the outside looking in. And all you have to do is, is get enough people that says, you know, that sounds plausible. That makes sense. And start making that group bigger. And then when you have a big group, it's easy to pull more people in. Everybody wants to be part of the crowd, part of the in crowd, part of the popular people. And we just keep pulling them in. And then sometimes we get so deep in our own convictions that even though that after we've gone so far, we think in the back of our minds, yeah, I've made a mistake. I don't believe that way anymore. But the problem is we get so deep that it's hard to come back out of it because we don't like to make change and we sure don't like to admit we're wrong. We had the past election, and the only determining factor was, well, this guy is not that guy. That this guy is so bad that anything is better than him. And that was the whole whole thing. They just kept throwing out this, 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 and this. And there was no real proof about it. It was just the fact is, if you think this way that you're a horrible person. But it was just words. And now that we look at, at facts, we have inflation at a all-time high. We have gas prices soaring. We have a shortage of supplies. We have high unemployment. And I can keep going on and on and on about things that have went bad since things have changed. But yet, people are not willing to admit that, hmm, I might have made a mistake. Maybe the person's not doing a very good job. Maybe the other guy did a better job. But no, we can't seem to do that because we're so convicted now, this is what had to happen. There's got to be something else. It's not that I can't have made a mistake. I couldn't have seen it wrong. I couldn't have got it wrong. And we do that. We listen to that internal voice. And we keep doing it over and over again. Because somehow or another, we think it's easier to, to fight and to battle than ever say that I'm sorry, than ever say that I'm wrong. It's all feelings. Who are you listening to? Bow with me, please.